Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1,755. 55, double nickels. I can't drive 55. We're going to have some fun today. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah. Today, I'm in beautiful Austin, Texas, with a very special guest by the name of Lee Clauncher. Lee, welcome to Cars Yeah. Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Absolutely. I put a full face helmet on just for you. Oh, good. Okay. Well, I hope you don't need that, but you never know. Uh, it is still a little bit of COVID, so we don't want to catch anything. So maybe I'll put my helmet on too, but so far, so good. Unfortunately, I've stayed healthy through this craziness. Now, before I give you a proper introduction and we talk about some things that are very near and dear to my heart, which are books from Octane Press, would you share one of maybe a little thing that most people don't know about you? Absolutely. Um, the thing, and you know, I had to think about this one, Mark. Good. The thing, the thing uh, that I think most people don't know is a lot of people do know I've become a serious cyclist. I put that out there quite a bit. Uh-huh. Not as many know I've become, uh, I've got sort of addicted to marathon cross-country bike racing. What? So, yes, I'm racing bicycles off-road in races that are 100 kilometers to sometimes 100 miles. Oh, my gosh. So, I love it. It's a super geeky form of racing. (laughs) You have to all, the race will be won six months before the actual race. Because you have to train and yeah. plan and figure out how to eat and all these things. And that totally fits. I never would have expected it myself. Wow. So it's kind of a. An- this is impressive. I mean, you're blowing me away, dude. You are the stud. That is pretty incredible. Back when I was a kid, I used to do these long distance rides. One of them was Takati to Ensenada. It was about 75 <laughs> miles. It was a road trip. But the first time I did it, I was in junior high and it was on the Schwinn Stingray. And oh my uh, God. that was a mistake. Uh, <laughs> uh, but I made it. I was much fitter and younger then, of course. But this is pretty fascinating. My son-in-law, Matthew, is a tremendous young man, and he does these Ironman competitions. Oh, my gosh. And when he and my daughter went on their honeymoon, the last day before they came home of a 10-day honeymoon, he did an Ironman competition. And uh, poor guy, this was not his first, but he had contracted uh, the Montezuma's Revenge because they were down in Yucatan two days before. So coming off of that, imagine doing an Ironman competition. Uh, The guy's an animal. I don't know how he did it. But uh, wow, you impressed me, Lee. Well, that's why I love this question, because it shows a whole other dimension of my guests. So uh, very, very impressive. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We're going to dive into what you do. Lee Clauncher is the founder and publisher of Octane Press, an award-winning book publishing company that specializes in books about motorsports and machines. His career encompasses more than 30 years of publishing great stories. As an editor and publisher, he has overseen the development of some of the most respected and best-selling books in the transportation niche. Lee is a prolific author, photographer, and contributor to more than 30 books and dozens of national magazines. He and his camera have traveled the world to chronicle international combustion-powered machines and adventures. And he has made images in Bolivian 
Amazon, the the Bolivian Amazon, uh, Australian Outback, and all over North America, from Alaska's Dalton Highway to Baja, Mexico. He also has led teams that build massive photo studios to make images of collectible farm tractors, which is cool. I know you've done some books about those. We'll be back in just a minute to talk with Lee, but first a word from our sponsors. Give them a listen. Hold on. We're going to have some fun today. We'll be right back. The best way to protect and preserve your vehicles, along with the meanings, memories, and experiences they give you, is with a quality-made, custom-fit car cover from my friends at Covercraft. At Covercraft.com, you'll find a multitude of options, including form-fit, fleece satin, and their unique view shield. Yeah, you can see right through the cover. Need a cover that will protect your rides outside? Quality options include Weather Shield, Weather Shield HD, Weather Shield HP, Sunbrella, Reflect, Carhartt Evolution, and of course, NOAA. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, and watercraft too. Custom-made covers for any vehicle. You can get them from Covercraft. Shield your vehicles from the rain, the snow, the sun's damaging rays with soft, safe breathability, dust protective, and ding protection, and protection from those paint-destroying bird droppings. Live in a windy area? Covercraft Gust Guards are a must-have option. Worried about theft? You can get cable locks with their built-in grommets that keep your cover on your vehicle. Their website makes ordering fast and easy, and I'll tell you, their talented customer service department, they'll walk you through any of your questions. You want a deal? Use the code yeah. 21 at Covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your Covercraft order thanks to me. That's right, 10% off. Simply use the code yeah 21 at checkout. I've been protecting my vehicles with their covers since 1975. Covercraft, protecting the things that move you. All right, Lee, we're back. Now, let's start with a success quote or a mantra, some kind of saying that has great meaning for you. I like to say it's a nice Way to get the uh, wheels turning, in your case, the off-road bicycle wheels turning. So, Lee, grab the handlebars. All right. Well, I'd say hard work is everything. Mm. And that, you know, I was looking back and I think about the things that I've done in my life. And, you know, that really was the number one thing that stands out to me. And and I'd, I'd say there's a little bit of a caveat to that in that each of us, when we're looking at what we work on, and this is something that's applied to me over the years and that I didn't properly think through what I was doing before applying the hard work principle. And, you know, you can waste time. So you have to think about your direction. But I really think that the key to success in life in so many things is is to work hard and apply yourself. And I was thinking of, of some some examples to me that really stood out getting myself through college. I didn't have a, a lot of money or a lot of assistance. My parents were right in that middle area where I didn't get a ton. So I worked myself, I worked full time all the way through college. And that was, I think, the place where it started, where I started to understand that if you're going to get somewhere, you got to put time in. I went freelance in 2000. I had been a book editor for many years and decided to just be a freelance contributor and, and write and, and take photos. And do a lot of travel writing uh, was what I was doing at that time, which I loved tremendously. I got to go a lot of great places. But to do that, to make that work, uh, I decided in 2000 I wanted to go freelance. For the next six years, I worked a full-time job and basically another 40 hours a week building freelance business Wow! before I could leave. So, And, and then with, with Octane Press, and, and that did lead that time in my career is when – 
you know, I went to Baja and Bolivia and all these places and got to see the world really open my mind and, uh, and have just some tremendous experiences. Yeah. But again, you know, and people would see that that was the kind of thing I remember people used to say, how'd you get that job? <laughs> I wanted to say, well, I've been working a hundred hours a week for, you know, <laughs> six years. But I think there's a great lesson there that, you know, if you, if you want something that can be there, just put the time in. And that, again, applied to building Octane Press. Uh, I'd say now it's a decade of that kind of commitment. Though in, in recent years, the company's matured and I, you know, I can spend time riding my bicycles, which, which is great. But it's, it's still, you know, as, as you know, you know, building a business 24-7 commitment to make it happen. Well, it is hard work. I have people that will talk with me and say, oh, you're so lucky. So what do you get to do? And I'm like, well, I don't really believe in luck. I kind of believe it's when you're prepared and the opportunity, when those two things cross a path and you leap on that and you take advantage of that. But yes, it's hard work. That's what it takes. Uh, a lot of hard work. Sounds like you and I have the same background, putting myself through college. And I think, yeah, somebody asked me last week, they said, how long have you been working? And I said, you know, I started a business with a friend of mine when I was nine. And we started a club we called the Playboy Bar. And we opened this bar in his garage and we would invite kids over. And we had this, it was like a lounge for young kids. And we would serve drinks, not alcohol. They were made up drinks like beer was root beer and scotch and soda was Sprite and Coke, but it was kind of like a chance for little kids to be growing up. But we would clear about $20 profit and we learned how to do that with cost of goods sold and all that kind of stuff. We didn't realize it at the time, but it just takes a lot of work. That's all. And that's the importance of cars. Yeah. Is if you're going to spend a lot of time working, pick something you love because at least then it doesn't feel quite as much like work. And let's talk about Octane Press more. Now, I've had some amazing guests on this show that are authors of your books. And I'll name just a few Gunther Raup, incredible photographer, his Peninfarina book, and Rosa Corsa, Rosso. Corsa book, uh, Pete Lyons, of course, the great Pete Lyons, Velocity, uh, Ian Falloon, his Ducati book, Elspeth Beard, Lone Rider. I mean, the books that you guys produce and publish are some of the best of the best. So Octane Press, tell our listeners more about the philosophy behind it, what it means to you, and the kinds of great books they can find when they go to your website. You bet. And Octane Press... You know, I think I'm going to I'm going to go back and start. And Octane Press has been a passion of mine and been a lifetime of work. So, I started in the 90s working for um at the time it was called Motorbooks. Uh, that imprint's still around. I worked there for about 10 years. Yep. And that was really important because uh I was what's called an acquisitions editor. And basically what you have to do, you're a book engineer. You have to design the book and you also have to make sure it makes money. That prepared me really well to start Octane Press. Uh, no kidding. <laughs> so I was able to figure out in somebody else's nickel all the mistakes, right? Yeah, your MBA. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Octane Press started in, um, basically, I was freelancing in 2006. And if you remember, I started freelancing. And shortly after I started freelancing, 2007 happened. Mm. And in fact, uh, literally like a week after I quit, one of the magazines I was working for, I was on the mass that did a lot for them, called and said, hey, we're going belly up. So the world changed a lot. Now, I did fine, and I'm really proud of that. But I began to realize that doing books for other people wasn't really an option. And I also began to realize that things were changing. And with on-demand books, you could start a publisher from scratch. So I put 500 bucks into a pot, published a book. Uh, I had an old book that I had rights to started selling it and turned those profits. We spent four years just 
working, investing back into into the company. I didn't take any money and building this company. Yeah, we had a book with uh, called the Jaundice Eye. It was a collection of Leon Mandel stuff uh, from Auto Week. Oh, Leon, yeah, remember him? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. The great line about Leon Mandel is he hadn't made it in, in uh, automotive publishing until you've been fired by Leon. <laughs> yes. So a very colorful guy. That book got reviewed by the New York Times. The New York Times had a car editor at that time, Norman Myers John, uh, and he really liked our stuff. In fact, a friend of mine and I, that, that happened about Christmas. It was like December 7th or something. That review came out. We spent the next month in my garage packing books and shipping them. Wow. And then that was really you know, where we got off from zero. And then we did a book with, uh, in partnership with Case IH on red tractors on IH and, and Case IH tractors. Huh? And that was a huge hit. Uh, we sold the entire print run. We had a 7,000 copy print run. It was sold when they hit our warehouse. Wow. They hit the warehouse September 13th and September 7th, they were gone. They were all gone. That's a nice way to do it. That's the right way to do it. Yeah. It was a bit of a problem because actually we had a big, uh, Barnes & Noble took it on the front table and my warehouse shipped out all the books. I said, hey, you saved those books for Barnes & Noble. They're like, no. I'm like, oh, boy. Uh-oh. So I they've forgotten forgiven us since. But, but that was really – that really got us launched. And um, one of the things that, that I uh, really firmly believe in is that good book publishing starts with a great book. And that's, that's your bottom line basics. And the reason for that is anything else you have to do when you need to market the book, when you need – uh, to sell it into just about anybody. If the book's great, all of that stuff is, it's never easy. Sales are not an easy thing, but they're possible. Yeah. So, and we, in 2012, won our first uh, book award. We won, I think it's 22. I honestly forget, lose count, but it's more than 20 independent book awards since then. Congratulations. For all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's great. And I think it's, it's, we really worked hard to pick carefully, use the connections I had from motor books so that, you know, I was able at least to start talking to some of the right people and, and bring in books that we really believed in and loved. Well, you do a great job. And the authors that I've had on my show, and hopefully there'll be more, those books have been fantastic and really, really enjoyable. I know my listeners enjoy it and books are a big part of Cars Yeah here. And let me kind of transfer into the next question about challenges. You know, books, well, we, let's go back to magazines as a start. Uh, you know, I've had a real tough time and they a lot of them have died off. And for a long time, people were saying, well, books are dying too. People aren't reading books anymore. They can read them online. Well, if you read them online, they still have to be created. Somebody has to write them. That's for sure. My wife just is a rabid book reader. She gets most of her books now through audiobooks and on her Kindle device, but she reads two, three books a week or listens to them. I mean, she just never ends. But for someone like me, I love having a library of automotive books. I have a great library. It keeps growing thanks to companies like your own. But let's talk about challenges in this industry. What do you see going forward? Do you see a resurgence of books or do you see just a transformation of change to books of how people consume their information? And with the onset of all this digital media and all these shiny objects, we have all this distractions from. What's your opinion of the challenges in the book industry and the publishing industry going forward? Oh, there, it's a it's a really interesting question, and th- and that's been a steadily changing landscape, I would say, over the last five to ten years. So, 
you know, one of the things that has happened is everybody thought digital was going to be the thing. It's not. And that I think there's two fronts, one that you could have expected and one not. And, and the not is, you know, the big, beautiful, illustrated book. That's a that's a crafted piece of work. Yep. So it, it just it just there's no way digital, even if you have a giant screen, it just doesn't replace all the touches and feels and looks the lushness of the paper, all those things, it's just not, it's not the same experience. So right. that sort of makes sense. The other is for narrative books to be replaced by digital. I thought that would happen. Uh, <laughs> to be between you and I, I would welcome it because it means I'd be sitting on a beach because all of my headaches, all of the difficulties. <laughs> yeah, book we go away. <laughs> printing, yes, printing and distribution. That's yeah. everything that makes us crazy at Octane Press. Yep. So, but that's not happening either. And and um, actually this morning I was talking to one of my staff and, and a new production editor and, and she's in her 30s, she's younger. And I was like, hey, what do you think about EPUBs? She's like, oh, I hate them. And a lot of young people do. And um, so that bodes well for the future of print. Mm -hmm. Now, that said, I think about five years ago, there was a big shift because you were seeing, particularly when you come to transportation books, and I think it comes down to just a few few places. So it used to be that you walked into Barnes & Noble, or remember, you could walk into Walden Books or Borders, or oh, all yeah. these, and they would have a huge transportation shelf. And back in, in, when they were coming on, they drove this resurgence in publishing because all of a sudden you could publish a lot of books. They would be on those shelves. People would find them and, and you could sell them. Mm -hmm. They've been contracting and those shelves are almost down to nothing now. Mm -hmm. So that's been a huge shift. And I think it has de and I think this has generally happened. It has decommoditized the book. So ah, that's a bad word. So basically, there used to be a lot of small hardbacks, um, softbacks that were paper. Now, I feel the way shift we've taken and I think the way the world is going is the print book is a little bit more of a specialty item and should be bigger, more expensive and fantastically built. You know, that sounds a lot like what the magazine industry is doing. Yes. When you think about Linkage, Octane, um, Avance, Triple Zero, these publications that are going to big formats four times a year, maybe five versus once a month. Uh, yeah. And when I think about books, the books I mentioned that are recent to Cars Yeah here from you, I think about, let's say, Elspeth's book. That would be a great audiobook. You know, listen to that while you're driving or so, because there's no visuals in there, really. It's, it's just a story, you know. I mean, it's almost fiction. If you, if you didn't know her, you wouldn't believe somebody did something that crazy. But when you look at books like Gunther Raup and his photography, you can't do that on a screen. You can, but it's not very enjoyable. Or even Pete Lyons and the beautiful history, velocity, and the history of Can-Am cars and race cars. Or Ian's book about Ducati motorcycles. You want to see that that imagery, right? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I actually think, and it's a step I took, that deeper and uh, meaning the book has, has, is more well-crafted, has been thought out, is bigger, and gives you more information so you can really dig in and niche Because yeah. if you go back to the Barnes & Noble shelf and the border shelf, they had a particular kind of buyer. And, and in my opinion, at least half of them was – your neighbor 
who's like, I got to buy something from Mark. What am I buy from Mark? Well, Mark's into Camaros. Here's a book on Camaros for 20 bucks. Great. There's my gift. Yep. And I think that has shifted because those spaces are not there to let's reach the person that loves IMSA racing. Mm-hmm. Let's find that person who is just obsessive about it and might spend a hundred bucks on it. So I, I, I think those are some of the shifts in our niche, in the, the uh, car and motorcycle book niche. So are you optimistic about the books, books in the future? Massively. Good. Books, and I will tell you, the book industry in general, which I watch very closely and I'm, I'm very interested in, has had a good year, despite all this. Well, because everyone's home, they got nothing to do. <laughs> you got it. Yeah. You got it. So Yeah, there's a, a silver lining there. Yeah, and one of, one of the things that puzzled, well, anyway, I'm not going to go there, but... <laughs> Uh, <laughs> that, uh, yes, it's, it's been a good year. Bookstores have had a very bad year, but the, the industry as a whole has done well. Reading is up and people are still reading books. I mean, one of the big fears is everybody just going to start reading 140 characters at a time or two paragraphs on a web page yeah. and that's it. And that's also proven not to be true. People still like long form narrative. They still want to obsess and get all that detail, yeah. which is good for us people that make books. Well, it's good for people to read books too, because getting information in these bite-sized bits is really, really bad. We've seen what happens when it comes to social media and stories about what's going on in the world. It is not the best way to get your information because you don't get the whole story. And it's it can become dangerous, in my opinion, uh, and not good for anybody uh, to do that. So I think that's great. I love to hear the optimism. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to dive into your personal passion for automobiles. I know you love tractors too. So sit tight. We'll be right back. American Collectors Insurance. That's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. Yeah, the one I call my orange crush. When it came time to renew my policy, my carrier jacked my rates up, even though I'd been with them for years. I'd never made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? Adios. So I started shopping around and kept hearing about American Collectors Insurance from fellow automotive enthusiasts, friends, and folks in the car industry. I did some investigating and learned that American Collectors Insurance have been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I'm not a price shopper when it comes to insurance. I want to be able to sleep at night. I also want agreed value protection for my special ride. With an agreed valued policy from American Collectors Insurance, I'll be paid what my vehicle's full agreed value is. A number I set with the insurer at the start of the policy so I know there will be no surprises about what my car's value is, should something terrible happen. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH, that's 866-224-9324, and protect the ones you love. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you. You'll be glad you did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States. That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. 
and more and more listeners find Cars Yeah every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique and very personal way? Well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyeah.com or through the website at carsyeah.com today to learn more. All right, Lee, we're back, and I'd love for you to share a story that instigated this passion. You obviously have a passion for automobiles and cars and tractors and bicycles now going across the desert and the mountain. Uh, what was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew, hey, I'm a car guy? So that I, – I had to think back to that one, and I'm going to go motorcycles. I, I, was, I love it. For me, motorcycles were a huge, huge deal. So when I was about eight years old, my dad would go to a little – we grew up in rural Wisconsin uh, near Brill, tiny 50 people in the town. Down the street uh, or you know, four or five miles from our house, there was a little chainsaw shop. My dad would take his chainsaw to get serviced. They had sitting on the floor an Indian uh, mini bike. Indian at that time would import Italjet motorcycles. And it was a 50cc motorcycle. And I was, you know, it was about my size. And it had a chrome gas tank, which I never forgot. And uh, I begged my dad for that. And, you know, my dad was like, hey, I'm a teacher. You, you, you're not, not going to get that. Yeah. Get a paper <laughs> out, kid. <laughs> that isn't happening. Uh, but when I was 11, I had an uncle who had a CT70. And he sold it to my dad, a Honda, a Honda, which is essentially a Honda mini bike. And uh, he sold it to my dad for 25 bucks. And from there, motorcycles were just a huge part of my youth. And I eventually raced off road, raced on road, rode all over the country. That became 40 years of passion for me. Oh, man, you and I, mother from an, or a mother from another, no, wait, a brother from another mother. That's what I'm trying to say. CT70, my parents bought my sister and I each one of those. And we would go down to Baja. I was living in San Diego. We'd go down to Baja, California, ah. camp on the beach, and we would ride those things up and down the beach. The biggest problem was to judge your gas because we'd get a mile or two down the beach and run out of gas and go, oh, gosh, you know, sis, go back and get dad and bring a gas can. I loved that thing. I thought I was the king of the world. And to this day, I want one. And my wife, she sees me looking. She goes, do not buy one of those. Just why? Do you-? you know, I mean, because I rode... I rode dirt bikes later on. I had a Envy Agusta F4 uh, Monster, you know, real bikes. But that CT70, I'd love to have one again. I I buy them up to now they're twenty five hundred bucks. I know, so, crazy. Oh, I got to do it. I I will not forget a friend of mine. I found a somebody who had a, three of them, and they were all in parts. One of them sort of, I think one of them ran. The other two were in boxes, and it was like. 150 bucks or 200 this is 10 <laughs> years ago and i said god i'm thinking about this he's like when are you ever going to be able to buy your childhood for 125 <laughs> oh what a salesman <laughs> yeah yeah i so, love it well let's you know we talked about that special vehicle but i want to talk about a really special vehicle in your life something that really stands out could be a first vehicle something you've owned or i don't know maybe it's yet to come but what would that be all right. I, I, I thought about that. And the one that stands out is my FJ 600. Okay. So in, um, uh, in when I was uh, maybe 19, I bought a 1968 GTO and had that for a while and loved the car hobby, but realized I could not afford at that time to make the car the way I wanted it. There was just so many things, parts I just couldn't afford. So I traded it in and I got a brand new FJ 600. And the thing about that motorcycle 
That's a uh, Yamaha, right? That's a Yamaha. It was a 600cc sport bike at the time. Very, if you look at them now, honestly, they're very unremarkable. The <laughs> really neat thing about them at that time is, is they were relatively comfortable. Sport bikes hadn't gone crazy, and it was pretty fast and super versatile. So that FJ... I took it to the drag strip. A bunch of our, my buddies were drag racers at that time, so I drag raced with it. I ended up road racing on it out in California at Sears Point, which was one of the great motorhead experiences of my young life. It was just phenomenal. What year was that bike? 1984. Eight, an 84 model. Okay. Yeah. And then uh, it also, I was 18. I was at home. It was in the summer. I was I was still living in, in uh, the little town. And my uncle from California called and said, hey, I've got a job. And I really needed to get out of that small town. That was not a good place for me at that time. My parents would say I needed to get the hell out of the house, too. <laughs> and and uh, I got on that FJ and rode out to California and uh, spent the summer working for my uncle and pretty much never went back. That was the end of my time in Wisconsin, essentially. And so that motorcycle just may not have been the most remarkable machine but the things that it did for me and the places it took me were so remarkable that is the one that above anything else really stands out you know that was a pretty cool bike because they looked pretty sporty i mean the fairing and if i recall a little fairing down below the motor in front of the wheel but i saw one of those a while ago i'm almost certain it was where a guy had turned it into basically a cafe racer style bike Mm. dropped handlebars no fairings the seat kind of hung out over the back tire i gotta go back and find that for you because i love those cafe racer looks and this thing i went whoa how did he turn that into that i'm gonna find that and send it to you because it was super cool uh i don't know if it would be interesting to ride but i don't know interesting sidebar (laughs) no and they aren't they weren't bad right i mean they they did everything fine Mm. they just you know later i ended up on an fc 750 and if you remember that bike that was the five valve genesis motor and um that thing was just a beast and that was nothing but excitement i kind of had a lousy chassis honestly but it looked you know that's when all of a sudden sport bikes started to look like spaceships yeah. compared to the previous motorcycles so that to me was this just massively exciting machine the fj is a little boring now it worked just fine it had a great solid motor and actually i think it would look great as a cafe racer because the fairing was really just kind of tacked on yeah so pulling that off and letting the handle letting the headlight show it might be beautiful i'll send i'll find that and send that to you i think you'll like it now here's the introspective question for you lee i'm going to put you on the psychologist couch here if you woke up tomorrow and you were manifest as a vehicle this isn't what you want to be this is your personality in some kind of a vehicle could be a bicycle could be a car motorcycle truck whatever what would you be but more importantly why I, this one, uh, I really had to think about and I'll, I'll tell you where I ended up yep. was, and it's, it's kind of two cars. It could be an Acura NSX or I think, uh, the last generation RX seven. And the reason I say this is I think the original NSX is a pretty subdued, maybe boring looking car. It's quiet. It does a lot of things well, and it does a lot of different things. And the reason I thought about that is I'm a, I'm a very mellow guy. I'm a very nice guy on the outside. Um, if I meet you, I can roll through the day without making a lot of flash. But I'm a very intense person, and a lot of things I do, I do 
with a lot of passion. So I kind of decided, all right, it had to be something that would do a lot of things, but not, you know, no Lamborghini curves in my case. <laughs> I like that. Well, in that car, the NSX is kind of becoming a bit of a cult car for the generations behind us of collectability. It was supercar of the day, but it was soft and quiet in a way, uh, as far as how it was out there. And people kind of went, hmm, that's interesting coming from Acura. But I've driven those. Great fun cars to drive. So uh, nicely thought through. Yeah, I have as well. I drove one on uh, uh, the raceway in Pennsylvania, Pocono. And I, oh. I Nice. I I love the car. Yeah, so, yeah great yeah, car. Yeah. For- and and I would frame it as the, today, because back then the NSX was a little bit more was pretty sexy. I think at the time. Now, if you Google it and look at it, it's like really that's a sports car. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe back in the day, you and I were a little more sexy. I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to ask, have to ask our wives about that. Well, we're on the uh, last lap here, and I'm going to ask you some quick questions, get some quick answers. So here we go. What's a habit of yours that you believe has helped contribute to your successes over the years? Intensity in everything I do. I love it. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry, living or someone who's passed, who would it be? John Britton, inventor of the Britton motorcycle. Oh, okay. Well, there's the motorcycle theme again. Now, when it comes to automotive advice or bike advice, what's the best advice someone else ever offered to you? My grandfather, it's not exactly automotive, but it was surprising. He was a very simple guy um, who grew up, you know, a farmer. He said, do what you love. They always need good people. Yeah, I love it. That's a good tagline for cars. Yeah, that is very good. I've not heard that. I love it. I'm going to I'm going to write that one down. How about when it comes to great resources? Now, there's so many for us these days, and I'm going to start it off by saying, Octane Press. If you want some great automotive books, that's a place to go. But is there another go-to or a place you find yourself quite often? I live and die on the Leadville 100 message board. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say Octane Press, so you kind of stole that well, one. Oh, so I wanted to throw I'll that throw out there. That out. I, I hope I can think of something better for you all. Leadville 100 message board. Okay. <laughs> yeah, let me, let me, we can, we'll think at the end, if I can think of something better, I'll throw it out. We'll I add Octane. it out. Okay. That sounds good. This is a tough one. A book. I asked all my guests to reference a great book. There's so many and we don't want to leave anybody out. But let's just say if you were going to sit down today and pick up an Octane Press book, which one would it be? Just for today. Right off your top of your head. Race. Uh, Today, the Octane Press book uh, would be Racer by Jade Gers. Uh, just because, and it's Jade Gers and, and John Andretti. It's an as told to, or John told his story to, to Jade. It is an out. John was such a strong personality. It really comes through in the book. It's a, it's a book that's got a little more to it than just cars. It's fantastic. It's about being a great person in this world. Awesome. I love it. I'll make sure to put a link to that book and Octane Press on Lee Clauncher's show notes page. His last name is K-L-A-N. C-H-E-R. You'll find everything right there. All right, Lee, we're up to the checkered flag. I'm going to buy you something fun today. Collector car, collector bike, something interesting. Not a daily driver, something you can have some fun with, but there's a few rules, as my listeners know. You can't sell it to fund another book project. You got to drive it, ride it, and use it, but it's the only one cool vehicle in your garage to have fun with, so you need to make sure it checks all the boxes. So what is it going to be for you today? 
the Icon FJ43 in Mayan Sun Orange. I'll let you know where to send the check. I've been eyeing them up for years. You know, Icon, Jonathan Ward, he was my seventh guest here on Cars. Yeah, he was so nice. I've known him for a long time, for decades, to take a chance with me and be a guest on my show. And the Icon, if you guys, you listeners don't know, go back. He's been on the show a few times. And go back and check it out. I'll put a link to Icon. He builds some of the most incredible rebuilds of the old FJs. He also does some resto, kind of resto mod hot rods. He's he's working on a leather jacket right now. I mean, the guy is just such a creative person. But you have it dialed in, but that's going to cost me. Those things are not cheap. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, they're pricey. They are expensive. They're fabulous, though, and I, I love FJ40s, and that would be an FJ40 I could use every day. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. They are usable and enjoyable. I'll tell you a quick story about Icon. Way back when, when I met him, uh, Jonathan Ward, he has a lizard that is his logo, his, you know, icon kind of thing. It's a little lizard in the story. He explains it in, in his uh, visit with me here on Cars. Yeah, you can go back and listen. And I actually called him. Uh, I didn't know him. I was working uh, for another company way back in. And I said, hey, I want to buy that lizard. My wife likes little lizard things. And I think that would be kind of cool. And he goes, okay, um, what kind of vehicle would you like to go with that? And I said, well, no, I just want the lizard. And he said, well, you can't have the lizard unless you buy one of my my FJs. And I went, that's going to be one hell of an expensive lizard. (laughs) And he goes, yeah, it is. But I don't sell the lizard yet. It only comes with the car. So I'm like, ah, darn it. Uh, I don't think that's going to work with my checkbook today. But he's a great guy. Icons are great vehicles. Go and check out Icon. And I will get an order into you or for you today, Lee. (laughs) Ah, Another big check I'm writing here on Cars. Yeah, Lee, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I didn't know it was going to be off-road on a bike on a 100-mile ride, but that's okay. That sounds like fun. I want you to share one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you drive off down the dirt road in that beautiful Icon FJ43 in Mayan Sun Orange. Live like there is no tomorrow. Indeed. Boy, are those words for times now, right? My goodness. Yeah. Live like there is no tomorrow. Hey, what's the best way for people to learn more about Octane Press and get their hands on some of the amazing or all the amazing books that you produce? Check us out at OctanePress.com. And you also can find all of our books anywhere books are sold. Absolutely. I'll make sure I put links to the books we talked about today, links to his website. I encourage you, if you love car books like I do and you want to expand your knowledge and your library, Octane Press is the place to go. And I want to do a big shout out to Andy Collins. Andy's been a guest on the show. He's the one that got me connected with with Lee today, although I've already had a connection with your company and promoting your authors. But this is nice to have you on the show, the guy behind the curtain. Listeners, you can find everything on Lee's show notes page. Lee, thank you for being so generous today with your time, your expertise, your enthusiasm for life and what you do. Can't wait to hear about your next great adventure until you and I talk again. I'll see you down the road. Thank you so much, Mark. I really appreciate the time being on here. It's It's been a genuine pleasure. The pleasure's all mine. Octane Press. Here at Cars Yeah, it's all about inspiration. And our charity of choice is TechForce Foundation, where it's all about making a positive difference in young people's lives. TechForce helps young adults discover their talents and passions for all things automotive with a mission of helping students develop a career as a professional technician. TechForce awards nearly $2 million in scholarships every year for students to pursue technical education, and they support hands-on activities, events, and mentorships across the country, working to change the outdated perceptions 
of these careers. Auto techs are in high demand, but the supply of qualified technicians is critically short. They need your help to fuel their mission. Learn more and join me in supporting them at techforce.org. Hey, fellow inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Did you know if you subscribe at carsdad.com, I'll send you my free filler up book, it's an ebook filled with fuel, filler fun, and inspirational quotes from past guests here on Cars Yeah. Plus, you'll get a weekly wrap-up email from me every Friday, and your name will be in the hat for one of the many free giveaways here at Cars Yeah. Simply go to carsyeah.com and click on the free book button, and boom, you're in the club. And don't forget to subscribe to Cars Yeah on your mobile podcast app, and you'll get the Cars Yeah show delivered right to your mobile device every day, absolutely free. Inspiring automotive enthusiasts, that's what we're all about. Here at Cars Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.